Welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc. Voices Our Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guests, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Hi, everybody. It's Kristen Sparks, and this is Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am so excited this week. We have an amazing guest. Her name is Walker Kimberly Brandt. She is an author. She is a speaker. She is a professional actress, which I think is way cool. <laughs> she is <laughs> a mentor coach, and I just am so honored that she has agreed to be a guest on this podcast. And this is going to be one of those conversations you do not want to miss. So Walker, please give us a little bit more about what you do and who you are. All right. Uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm honored and excited to be here. It's been so fun getting to know you to see your face on our fun little connection point. As you mentioned, I'm an actor. I've been an actor for 30 plus years. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been a quite an interesting journey. I've done a little bit of everything from theater, TV, blockbuster films, just thousands of advertising campaigns. And in the early 2000s, uh, I got married and I decided that I would focus on commercials and advertising so I could stay home and help my husband raise his daughter. I stopped pursuing film and TV. It was just, I was living out of a suitcase for so long. I was never home eight, six months out of the, out of the year I was gone. So not a really good sort of formula for a successful relationship, right? <laughs> which is why you hear very unsuccessful relationships in the business. And I just really, I, my husband and I had known each other for, for 11 years already. We've known each other 34 years. And so when that sort of shift from friends to lovers happened, it became very apparent. This is the guy that's been kind of been my guy the whole time. It just took me 11 years to actually see him. So, you know, it took 11 years from like creator to go, okay, gosh, damn, she's stubborn. Could you just freaking look at this guy? He's right here. Okay. And could you stop doing that? Because you're a wreck. Which is pretty much what my life was. It was like uh-huh. lots of success, but most people don't know. And as you said, I wrote I wrote a book called Awaken: Discovering Yourself Through the Light of Your Distance. I wrote that in 2019, and really tried to get it done by 2020. It was going to be released late 2020, and then COVID hit, and it was like, okay, let's get this book out now because it's about 
uncertainty. It's about confronting uncertainty. It's about overcoming what seems like insurmountable obstacles. And what most people don't know about me is that for almost 30 years, from the age of 14 to, you know, you do the math. My husband's an accountant. I, I try not to go there. Like I've handled it. But anyway, from 14 for about 30 years, I was stuck in the middle of what I was running from and the trauma I lived through towards what I was creating, the success that I believed I could do and towards what they wanted me to be. So me was lost in the middle. All of me was not whole. I was left a bunch of me back there and tried to live into what, gosh, tell me what I should be. Tell me characters, roles, the successful woman. It was all amazing. And it, it made me feel so much better about myself because I had lived through an experience that made me feel so terrible about myself. And so eventually it became clear that that does not mean you've healed that. <laughs> okay. You can have a lot of success. It does not mean that you've healed because if you don't connect all the pieces, you've got fractured self essentially. And my personal life was a freaking mess. It was just every relationship was a reflection of what I had been through. I attracted so much pain and suffering into my life and nobody knew. I was real good at keeping myself, my personal life personal and, and just hiding because I felt so much shame from my past, from my, what I lived through. So it was, a it was a trip. It was like, and then I just said, F this, I'm freaking going to put it out there. I'm going to start dealing with myself. And then I was like, well, let's just write a book about it and let's really put it out there. <laughs> and that's what I did. Good for you. Good for you for recognizing that. Good for you for saying, you know what? F this and I'm done and I'm going to be me. I'm going to leave that blame, shame and guilt behind and I'm going to choose something different. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, there was there's was something that it was rising in me and it was this acknowledgement and this awareness that we have this massive capacity to forgive. Oh, as, yes. as a species, right? We have this incredible capacity and I believe it's because it's the energy that we encompass that's the power. Because it, it's there for you even if you can't bear children, but if you've bore a child, you know what forgiveness is because in a fraction of a second, you go from complete rejection, complete pain and suffering to absolute deep love and acceptance. Amazingly. So yes, I, you know, I've got three children and I get that, that look in their eye when they look up at you and they raise their little arms and they want to be lifted up into your, your hug and your kisses and your love. And there is nobody else in the world, but you, and you're the most amazing thing they've ever known. Yeah. It's an incredible thing to have been their mother and to, you know, have to go through the trauma of the things that we go through and still, you know, have the capacity to forgive ourselves first, you know, because we're definitely, none of us are perfect. And to let go of, like I said, that whole blame, shame, guilt wheel that we get on 
and we think that there's got to be somebody else that's to blame and no one else has ever gone through this but me you know i'm the worst thing that's ever hit this earth and then the guilt that sits in you know that oh god i've done damage to other people and to myself and then you know we go right back to the blame and you know it's just this cycle that we go through and we do at some point when we have that capacity to say okay i'm i'm done i'm getting off the wheel and the first forgiveness i'm giving is to me absolutely blame is a boomerang oh it's a boomerang, man. It comes right back at you. And if there's people in between, they're all getting nicked by it. Right. As it comes right back into your hands. You know? <laughs> yep. I like that. I like that. The blame is a boomerang. That's good. That is really good. Just hang it on the wall or something, but just keep it still. Yeah. <laughs> it, that thing is, it's an object, but it, it really just, uh, the level that we can forgive because of just that innate ability as a feminine, as an energy force, it's powerful. And any being that is in that energy, as we care for them, can be taught how to honor and love that energy and respect that energy and really understand the profound gift it is to this world. And I think historically with the suppression and with what women have lived through throughout cultures and just the evolution of humanity, the dominant energies that have been at play, even feminine energy that's, that goes awry, just like male energy. It's, it's all energy when it goes bad is an atomic bomb and it can, and energy when it goes good is equally a level of explosion as even more so, obviously, universe is created by this massive explosion of power and all creation comes out of it. It's this focus of recognition and responsibility that this is what I am. If an atomic bomb is made from atoms and I've got a shit ton of them in me. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm like a million atom bombs. I yeah. probably should be a more responsible for my energy than I really realize my, the capacity to affect the room I'm in and the people I'm around is profound. It, once you recognize that, it's like, oh, jeez, I really have to look at all the things I engage with in a different way. And on the female energy train and in looking at how male energy can go crazy sometimes, like let's say Harvey Weinstein energy. Right given I'm an actor, we can, I can talk about that a little bit. Yep. And the first person I thought of when all that happened was I thought of his mom. I didn't think of, yeah. I mean, I thought of his mom. I thought, who was his mom that this man came out with such disrespect for women? You know, such a beautiful thing for another woman to recognize the fact that this is not just a man thing. This is coming from what we have done to our sons when we raise them. We are as responsible, if not more so, than they are in this patriarchal society. But the male energy and the female energy have to come into balance and harmony in order for us to move forward. Yes, exactly. That's where I'm at. I'm like swimming in that pool right now because 
I know it's that time and I know it's the time women for women to lead that. And I meet with men and see men all the time that are, they're powerful, successful, strong men. And they are like this to women. They are so ready for women to own the responsibility. They're ready to move beyond the dominance. They're ready to move beyond the misogyny, all of the behaviors that have been programmed into them from fear, from the constant seeking and jonesing after something on the outside that's supposed to make them happy. They're all recognizing that was one of the silver linings of COVID. It's like we all got trapped in our houses and we woke up and going, okay, shit, I'm not happy. Right. <laughs> okay. I thought I was, I thought I was happy out there. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm not happy with this person that I'm with, or I'm not happy with the way that I've been raising my kids or, you know, whatever it might be taking that look and step back and going, well, I have a choice here. I can choose to continue to live and work and do what I've always done, or I can choose to make a different choice. Yeah. I can keep being in distraction and keep thinking that that means I'm happy because I'm fulfilling what the world's telling me I should be doing. So I can surround myself with I'm doing what I should and what I think, which is like, it's not coming from your heart, not coming from your gut. It's all up here. And that doesn't lead to happy. It just doesn't lead to happy because you're, you're not happy in your head. Your head is going to tell you what you want to hear. Your head is like the worst sycophant because it's going to tell you what you want to hear. And it's going to tell you you're a piece of shit. So you need to get the heck out of there and get in here. (laughs) Right, right. You've got to get in this heart space, which is where really, I don't know if any of y'all know what heart math is, but go check it out. Heartmath.com. It's amazing. The heart is the true energy, kind of the engine of the whole system. And the heart is where we have that capacity to forgive, to love, to find joy and to find grace. And I have learned (laughs) having gone through my traumas that It is my choice to live in a world where gratitude is my focus. I get up in the morning and I thank what I call the divine universe source for my life today because it was almost gone. And I choose to be ecstatic that I get to live another day of adventure in my whatever way it is that I choose to live that adventure, whether it's podcasting, whether it's piling up stuff to write a book with, whether it's going out and swimming, whether it's whatever it is I do. But it's it's my choice and it starts with that gratitude and that capacity to love. Yeah, that heart coherence Yeah, in what it draws to you. There's no way you can be in there without being responsible to yourself. You get in there, you get in deep, you know, okay, I'm responsible for myself. And then you recognize that because I'm connected to everyone, essentially, we're all responsible to ourselves and what we choose to do impacts everything and everyone around us. So ultimately, we have a responsibility to each other to choose to be responsible for our own energy, right? Our own experience. And I love the way you said that. I I wake up in gratitude. So when you do that, you wake up in gratitude. And I love how you listed out from the big to just stacking stuff on my desk or going swimming. 
because we get so often, I mean, I know certainly I do. Sometimes I feel like I've got to be doing something that has some kind of resonance of accomplishment. And you think, no, that you know what's when I really feel amazing. I mean, I do feel amazing when I accomplish something that's on my goal list. Yeah, it feels great. But you know what also feels great and equally is when I take the time to go outside and I smell a rose. That old saying, stop a moment, smell a rose, take a swim look at your feet and be grateful that those things carry you around. Right. I mean, you deal with your toes, get in there and look at those things. Oh my <laughs> because God. you know what you they know? do? I mean, they're like, you're running around on those things. I mean, really look, because it's like, we can get stuck right here. And I mean, and this is like our world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was stuck in a wheelchair. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was, yeah, I had a, a, a massive fall back in 2013 that took out my pelvis and I was told that I was going to be in the wheelchair the rest of my life. Well, I was not really big on that. So I now walk. I use a walker when I'm outside the home because I don't know it, but in my house, I have the ability to walk from one end to the other. I know where my walls and my chairs are if I need them, but I am so grateful for my body every day for my feet, for holding me up again, and for my legs, for holding me in my back. It was collapsing at one point and it's stabilized. I go and I do yoga and I've been doing that for three years and it's been this journey of finding my body and my balance. And I am so blessed to have been able to do that. Not everybody can, you know, and I've been very blessed to be able to do that. And you got to stop and just think about every aspect of this amazing machine that we have. It's just incredible. It really is. I'm at awe. <laughs> you, know? you know what? I call it that. I wrote in my book, I call it the awe state exercise. And it's literally, I started with my hand and, and it was about first taking a moment and breathing and getting yourself calm and really connected, letting your mind slide down into your heart and just relaxing your whole body and just appreciation, you know, getting right there in that space and then open your eyes and look at your hand like you are a two-year-old in your crib. And you're just like, wow, I know <laughs> this is amazing, you know, Yeah. and how it moves. And I mean, it is an amazing thing. That innocent awe that we have as children to engage with our bodies, look at our bodies. And I mean, nothing we're ashamed of. If we poop our diapers, we've got our hands in it. It's in our hair. It's everywhere. Yeah. Something smells funny, but we're still like, whoa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is this? This is so cool. Exactly. And we just need to go there. I think we need to go there at least once a day about a part of our body. How often do we look at our elbows? Yeah. God's sake. Right? These things are amazing. My husband calls my ball peen hammer that I could actually kill somebody <laughs> with. <laughs> He's like, what is that thing? It's like a full like hammer. Yeah. But you know what? I can use it if I need to, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. I was like, well, thank you. You've given me some some confidence here. I know I can use it. And it is actually 
in self-defense, your elbow is a very powerful weapon. So there's just so much about the body. And, and I love, you brought up yoga. I love yoga. I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. And it is the kind of, especially with the ujjayi breath, when you're doing it and you get into that deep ocean breath, probably ocean breath in the back of your throat. And it connects you with your body in such a way because we were born in perfect balance. That's the way God made us, like the universe. We are in perfect balance. And that practice brings you into that place. You cannot practice yoga for five minutes without dropping into your body. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It is one of those practices that if you do it for any length of time, there is nothing but your body, but your breath. Nothing else exists. I also meditate and meditate every day. And I've been doing that for years. It's been my pain control because I can't take any medications for it. And so it's been absolutely, you know, you've got to get out of your head to be able to truly appreciate this machine and how you are powerful enough to control pieces and parts of it, even when they're not working the way they're supposed to be working. Yoga really helps you kind of develop that practice of of getting into that space where you can go in and control your breathing, control your heart rate, control the pain, control all kinds of different things within your body. Yeah. Affecting your oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin. I mean, you must have mastery with this, with pain. I hope you're helping people, showing people how you do it because we live in a world where there's, you know, addiction to painkillers. People don't realize just how powerful they are. They just don't know how powerful we were made. And the ability to drop in and be able to connect to the way that the body functions and tell your body, I release that pain. It's beautiful to be able to do that. It's a gift to be able to do that and to be able to say, this is what I do. I commit to that. And I commit to owning my, my pain management. I like the way you put that. I'll have to use that if you don't mind. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's your, that's what you're doing. And, and we need so many people teaching this because I hear it all the time. People are like, I'm in pain. I don't know what to know what to do. And I, you know, I've gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. And doctors are programmed to, to give you pain pills. They're going to put you on something. They're going to put you on something that's going to get you so locked up in here that you're never going to know what the hell is going on down here. So, because it's it's about compartmentalizing your body. It's not about the whole system, which sounds like you have complete recognition that I, my mind is my choice center. My heart is my guide. My body is the vessel that I am moving through this life with. And that's, it's a beautiful reality to live in. And meditation is like, meditation is responsibility just for your life because breath is life, right? The prana, the breath is life. So you're taking responsibility for how your life is coming in to this vessel. <laughs> yes. That's what meditation does. Yes, it does. Like, going to yeah. recognize that. How many times do you, do you do it twice a day? Or I meditate in the mornings. Usually I am up around five and I meditate anywhere from one to two hours. Wow. Yeah. You're like, wow, people I hear that do that. I'm like, what? Two hours, five o'clock? What? 
I'm like 20 minutes, 6.30. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. My practice didn't start with two hours. Let me tell you, I was lucky if I could get through five minutes. And I have done a multitude of different types of meditation. I've done, forgive me, my brain is not working right this minute, but there's a modality where you've got sound and voice and all of these other things that are happening. I've done that. I've done complete silence. I have done just all kinds of different modalities for me, but finding that space that you allow yourself to take in order to become completely self-aware of your body and its functioning and its ability and allowing yourself to understand that this isn't woo-woo to get into your body this way. This isn't woo-woo to be able to control what your body does and how it feels and all of that. You have that ability because you are a human being. That's right. This isn't woo-woo. This is you-you. <laughs> yeah. This is you-you. This is like, this is who you are. You are like a star. You are this magnificent being that's filled with all this capacity and energy and ability. And that, you know, that saying always comes into my mind. We use 10% of our brain. I think we use, I, mean, I think it's an old study. I think we use a lot more now. However, there is so much that can only be accessed from that relaxed state. And it's like, I love art of living. Their whole guru dev art of living is so amazing. But I, I love the way that they describe meditation where you you start to mentally relax and then you start to physically relax and then you stress release and then it comes back again you start to become physically active something's you know releasing in your body and your thoughts come in and then again you have to you restart the process again and it's an effortless you know and it's like people get so caught up i was certainly one of them where it's like okay there's like a million thoughts going on right now <laughs> Yes. Could somebody tell me when the meditation happens? Uh-huh. Because I could be getting shit done right now, and this is annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's where I started to years ago. I mean, I'm like, why would I want to do this? You know? I spent enough time up there. Why do I want to do this and spend more time up there? Oh, my God. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, how much more time do I have to do this? Exactly. Yep. And then it was like, I don't know that I could even point out the day that I figured it out. It was such a, literally a slow ease into it that there wasn't really like, oh yeah, it was on September 22nd, 1792. <laughs> <You know>? Yes, <laughs> exactly. And we don't give ourselves that. I mean, grace, we don't often give ourselves that grace. I mean, you just hit on something so high value with what we don't remember to do for ourselves, especially again, women, we do it for our children. It's not like we say, all right, you should be walking by now because you get on with it. This is getting boring and turn away. You know, we don't, we have that in us to do it. And we let our children do what they do. They develop, they learn to walk, they learn to eat with their own hands. They learn to tie their shoes. I want to know the date and the time, actually, when we freaking forget to do that for ourselves as a as a, a species, because it happens not just to women, it's to men, everybody. We just decide, okay, now we don't get any breaks. We don't get to let things happen anymore. If it doesn't happen with a certain amount of time, 
it's off the list. Right, <laughs> right. Like, why do we do that? We deserve to grow like a blade of grass grows. We deserve to give ourselves that grace and patience and to really experience all of that distraction, all that resistance, all that is part of who we are. And then finally, like you said so beautifully, drop in and go, oh, okay, I can do this. This is, oh, this feels so good. We need to give ourselves a lot more of those drop-ins, don't you think? Yes, I absolutely agree. Those drop-ins are so extremely important. And I, I like the way that you bring it back to being childlike, whether you're the, the adult watching the child or whether you're the child. It is something that we forget. We forget to be excited about whatever it is we're doing. Kids can sit there for hours and watch a movie over and over and over again until they know every word, they know every song, they know every dance. They they could pretty much just act it out. That's right. We never let ourselves do that as adults. No, we don't. We don't let ourselves do that. And what's interesting is that same energy, I've labeled it the light of our innocence. It never disappears the ability to engage. I mean, when you smile, it's all over you. Yeah, it's every, I mean, you are, you have that. It's right out in you, which is so beautiful because you let it be a part of you. We, at some point in our life, decide that adulting means we can't kid anymore. And that's, it's just not true because you got to be the kid. That's where your creativity is. That's where your fun is. That's where your excitement lives. That's where that beautiful expression that you are here to express in all your sizes, yes, in all your years, that's what you bring. So don't put the curtains around it. Don't put the shades on it. Don't try and figure out a new color for it. Just let it be because what's that, that study they did that most people, if you find th that feel like they're in a, doing something they don't love and they've gotten into a career that they thought they should do, followed a path or track that they felt forwarded into or herded into and end up feeling lost and purposeless. The question is, what were you doing between the ages of seven and 10? Right. And that the people that are happy in their job have an element of what that was, that playfulness in their work. There's something they're doing that is an element of that playfulness. Were they the kid that told stories, did little shows for their family? Were they the one that was talking and always engaging and always you know, the connector in the family? Were they that kid that had all the energy and that was always coming up with stuff? Something that's going to bring them joy in their adult life is going to have an element of that playfulness of those years. When that study came out, I was like, are you kidding me? That's so profound. Right? That is just amazing. Wow. And you know, you do the passion test or you do the purpose exercises that Jack Canfield has. There is no part of that that says, go back and look at what you were doing at seven. But I think that's where I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's where we're going to find our purpose and passion is what we were doing when we were seven or eight. And I was writing, I was writing these absolutely fun adventures as my grandmother went to, I was little would put me on her lap and she would tell me these stories about, and it was always about me. And I was always the knight. I was always the slayer of dragons. I was never the princess that needed to be saved. I was the savior. 
know? I love your granny. Right? I love my granny too, <laughs> yeah. man. She was yes. the bomb. And when I was seven or eight, I started writing stories. I still have mm. one that I even made the cover out of pink velvet. Love it. Have you published them? I haven't. I should. Yeah. I only have one left. I would have to write some, but that would be cool. I'd be all right with that. I love to write and in the process of a book that I've been trying to write for two years. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah, but you're also a podcaster, which is a storyteller. You love to bring stories. I mean, you're doing exactly that. You're doing what you love to do. This is an element of writing. You are an adventurer. I am that. And no doubt. Yes, you're an adventurer. So that was your spirit. Your grandmother saw it. That's why she chose to tell you stories of adventure because she saw your spirit, who you are. And you just said a minute ago or a little bit ago that you had stacked of papers that you're organizing for a book on your. So you're doing it. It's something you want to do. So I'm an adventurer too. And I was the person I never knew put two and two together because I never thought I was going to be an actor. I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to be an actor. It's not, I'm not one of those. I never did. I, I thought I wanted you know, to be a veterinarian or a psychologist, try and figure out what the heck that was. Okay. <laughs> and, and what happened was I was drawn because I'm very creative and I was drawn to it. It just, it just kind of, I'm one of those stories where somebody came up to me on the street and said, you should be a model. And I'm like, what are you a pedophile? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm like what? Take pictures yeah. of me. What the heck is uh, happening no. here? You know, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Uh -uh get away. Yeah. It was like, no, no. So I rejected it completely because I just didn't grow up in an environment where first of all, I ever thought I had the goods to be a model. It was like nobody in my family focused on that. They were going through some alcohol <laughs> at breakneck speed. And so it wasn't the environment for me to feel good about myself in that way or to, you know, it just wasn't that kind of environment. So I didn't recognize it coming at me. Then when the acting happened as a result of that, but it sounded like an adventure and I was always an adventurer. So eventually when I convinced myself, all right, I'll, I'll do this with a friend of mine. And then the photographer took it to a modeling agency. The modeling agency signed a contract with me and I thought, oh, and they said, will you go to Italy? And I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll go to Italy. No problem. Sure. I'm happy to do that. No problem. How far can you get me out, out of here? <laughs> okay. It was like, yes, I'm going. And so I, you know, I just pack up and moved to Italy at 18 years old and it was, you know, amazing the whole acting thing happened the same way. And I just kept moving forward and into the adventure and accepting and saying, this is, you know, I'm, I'm going towards the fun. And then I looked back at when I was seven, eight, six, my cousin and I used to do these little shows at my, our great auntie's house when we'd all get together for these crazy parties. And, uh, we would go into her, their closets and raid their clothes and come out and do some goofy skits oh and we God. would just create these characters i totally forgot about doing that with my girlfriends when we would go to her grandmother's house i'm getting into all the old prom dresses oh my gosh yes how fun was that they always had like the jewelry drawer with all the beads and stuff and as little girls you're just like i mean you've got the shoes on they're too big you've got the it's just as glittery and yes it's Wearing the tiaras and the, oh my yes. God, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so that was my cousin and I. And I'm like, okay, so I, I was, I guess I, and then I was always doing it out in nature. I was always creating characters in nature, but I never associated those. Those were just my real family, I would tell myself as a Aww. kid. These are my real family out here in nature. 
I don't know who those people are, but these are my family. <laughs> I was, that's what I was doing. And so I created these characters in my mind. So becoming an actor just kind of fit like a glove. It was like, oh, characters, I can do this. I've kind of been doing this. I didn't even realize it. And that was really cool too. Kristen is what I recognized is that I was practicing an element of what the craft is. As a child in nature, I was literally rewriting my life and creating me the way I wanted to be, choosing me and then creating what I wanted the world to be. Like I was on a stage because that's kind of what life is in a sense. We are playing a role here. And what kind of role do we feel like we're going to Let's make it a fun one that's ever shifting and changing and that doesn't have limitation and can play whenever we want to play and get busy. We want to get busy. Let's do something fun with this experience. And so that's what I would go do. I'd go through something difficult and I would go out into nature for hours and hours. I don't know if you experienced this as a kid, but I'm thinking you may have too. go out and play, be back before dark. Uh Oh, yeah. So we're gone like 10 hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The street lights come on. You need to be home. Exactly. Our parents didn't worry about us out for hours and hours and hours. So that was my life. So I, the imagination flourishes there. That's one of the things that I get concerned about when kids don't have enough time outside with the world and the focus becoming so on in the tech world, because our imagination is better than any supercomputer. What we can do with our imagination is what changes the world. It's every innovation comes from imagination. It's something that it drives the evolution of us and everything around us is a dream from our imagination. And wow, I was able to literally not step into the same pattern because I used my imagination. And then I thought, wow, I saw it in the craft. I was like, wait a minute, what I'm doing for these characters is what I did for myself subconsciously. I would ask my questions. Who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What do I want it to happen? Who do I want to hang out with? How do I want them to see me? And I created it. That's amazing. How conscious are you of it? How intentional are you of it? When I had my fall, my SI joint separated. And so that was what was causing the spine to collapse and the hips weren't staying where they were supposed to. And nobody knew what to do about it except, you know, give me steroid shots, which didn't work out so hot. And (laughs) I got an allergic reaction to those too. So, you know, my body has a real, it doesn't like things, you know, especially when you're putting chemicals in it, it does not like that at all. I'm allergic to like perfumes and, you know, shampoos that have chemicals in it and all kinds of stuff. So it's just one of those vessels that's sensitive to man-made chemicals. (laughs) right but I needed to find something that was going to stop this issue this problem with not being able to walk because nothing was staying where it was supposed to and so I did as much research as probably somebody looking for a PhD had did to find out all about the pelvis how it worked what was going on I knew more than the doctors did. I could sit down with them and explain to them exactly where the issues were and what we could do to possibly fix this. And I manifested a doctor who did a specialized pens in my backyard. 
these pens, this whole procedure started, and I can't remember if it was Switzerland or Germany. And there were two doctors in the entire United States that did this. And literally one of them was in my backyard, 15 minutes from my home. So the law of attraction, infinite possibilities of what your mind has the capacity to do. Sister, I am here to testify. <laughs> That's right. Wow. I mean, you can do anything that you want to do. You can choose to what I call the quagmire. You can choose to live in the quagmire or you can choose to get up. You can choose to say, this is not how I want to live my life. Choice is a powerful thing. We have our influences. We have our experiences. We have our, our shit that we do that's a result of all of that. And getting to a place of, I'm okay with that. I'm okay that I'm not this, you know, that I'm a, a person that doesn't have it all figured out. I'm okay with that. I, I try, you know, when I meditate, sometimes I'll finish and it's like, well, my list is a little bit better than it was when I started. I'm a little clearer now what I'm going to go do. So I don't think I really meditated, but I was still, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can have a sense of humor with it that I accept who I am. And I just deal with that, that acceptance. When we get there, then we start looking at people from those eyes. The simplest thing of just accepting yourself as you are gives the permission of the people around you to be who they are. And through that, we start to understand each other a little bit more and start to recognize that, you know, we may all not agree. We may all not like each other, but everybody poops, man. And Yes, they do. I call it. Yep. <laughs> yep. They sure do. You know, <laughs> everybody puts their pants on the same damn way. It does not matter whether you're living in the gutter or you're the president of the United States. When we all go to sleep, we don't know where we go. We, don't. <laughs> we do not. Yeah. I love the way you think you and I are sisters from another mother. <laughs> yes, we truly are. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on the fact that life truly is an adventure and it can be just so much fun, you know, and that's really bottom line. We're not here to suffer. We are here to have fun. Yeah. I mean, gosh, isn't it an amazing experience when you, like, if you've known somebody and we all have who has, and we've all, and it's such a, a beautiful thing to witness in our own selves first, initially, because if we're having the conversation, we've been through that walk of recognizing that, oh, shit, I have a choice. When you recognize consciously that you have a choice, that all of that suffering, the majority of it is a choice. And the imagination that you have, the ability, to choose in that same moment to flip the switch to something more pleasurable. I hope that your book's about you teaching this because and sharing your journey because to master it with your pain with your body and to be able to have the heart that you have, it's a constant test to us. No matter how evolved our spirits get, how enlightened we become, there's always going to be the moment where we look in the mirror and go, who is that? 
as we get older or as things happen, we're like, wait a minute. When did that happen? Where did this line come from? Where did that? Oh, yeah. It's always going to happen. So we're always going to be tested by our the evolution and the, the shifting and the change and the, the time that our body is here. So when you get to the point where you can understand the impact that you have on your body with your heart and your mind like you do, that's a huge gift because so many of us feel at times like we don't have control over the way our body can lead us around like a carrot in front of a rabbit. And we need to know that we do. We need to know we have the power that we have. We really need leaders in our lives that show that resonant like you do, that show that ability to do and to be fully engaged with responsibility of what this experience is through a tragic experience. I mean, look at the light and the bright on you. You're like a beacon of bright light. I had no idea what you'd been through, but you're like this beacon of bright light. And here you have been through something nobody would ever know because you don't wear it on you because you choose not to. I mean, we just need to know that. It's like the whole smile muscle thing. It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. People tend to forget how to smile. It's like your face loves you to smile. (laughs) (laughs) I I love, honestly, when I've had a day that I've laughed so much that my cheeks hurt, that's a good, good day, (laughs) you know? Yes. Those are the best days. Oh, those are the best days. They are. And I'm with you most of the time. It's out in nature that it happens. I'm lucky to be married to somebody that makes me laugh a lot, you know? (laughs) It most of the time when those, those absolute Oh God, this absolute, this is the best day ever happens out in nature. My nature, I love the ocean, love the ocean. And I love the mountains too. You know, I'm eclectic in a lot of things and I'm eclectic in what kind of nature I love. So I can be in trees. I can be in the middle of a a desert. I can, other than tarantula season, I'm not there. Definitely not. No, no, no. Or I can be out on the beach and it doesn't matter as long as I can be out in the middle of the ocean. Oh God, middle of the ocean. (sighs) There's nothing like that. Okay. Tell me about that. Cause that's like one of my bucket lists is what was it? The life of Pi, that experience. I mean, granted there was a tiger in the boat, I think, but so I could do without the tiger. (laughs) No, I didn't have, well, yeah, but that boat and the stars and the so where were you? I was coming from the first time St. John and I was coming back to Miami. I was doing what's called boat deliveries and I was crew and that just meant that basically I was the galley wench. <laughs> so I cooked meals while we were traveling and it was the captain and some of the other crew and I 70 foot motor yacht sailboat. Wow. Oh, I fell in love. Absolutely in love. It was the most amazing experience. And we were outside, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 knots off of um, the Dominican Republic. It's the middle of the night. Every star that human eyes can see are out. I'm this minuscule atom in the midst 
of life. And I'm conscious. I have the, the ability to know this. Walker, it was like an utter revolution of who and what I am and my amazing, and this was 30 some years ago, this happened, you know, but my amazing ability to be here and to be aware that I'm here and that I'm a part of such beauty and reverence. I would do it again in an instant. <laughs> I, I bet would. you would. That was a beautiful expression of that. I mean, I was just like, I'm seeing it with you. And ah, uh, that's exactly so true to be aware. I mean, sometimes when I'm just walking outside and it's like, I'm on a planet, I'm spinning and I'm in space right now. And something's holding me, gravity holding me to the ground right now. But we're spinning around. I'll look at the ocean. We live in Southern California. So I look at the ocean sometimes. My husband, I'll drive by the ocean. And we're like, why is it? What not it just amazing that it's being held in? We know it's teeming with life under that surface. It's just being held in and the waves are right there. And what's stopping it? You know, I mean, you just, when you really just go and appreciate and look at how unbelievably perfectly this planet works in our favor. You're right? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Just to contemplate those ideas that something is literally holding us all in perfect balance and harmony. We're the only thing that jumps harmony. It's just intellect. We talk ourselves out of harmony, literally, because it's everywhere around us. It's all over the place. I mean, it's everywhere. Everything, nature shows us harmony constantly, shows us birth, death, the cycle of life, all of the things, the things that we get excited about, the things we're terrified of. It shows us everything and we can learn. There's so much to learn from there that the reality of this moment in winter, nature shows us to go inside, to take shelter, to shed your leaves, your experiences of the year before, to let go, to move on and to allow space for new growth how often do we just look at a plant and remember to do that, to shed our leaves of the past, to look at last year, you know, remember the beautiful leaf, remember the lesson that we need to learn so we don't have to repeat it. And then let the leaves go and get ready for the new growth. I mean, what an adventurous, wonderful way to look at nature around us, the, the gift it teaches us. Those simple, simple lessons, God, let me learn them. Let me learn them well so that I don't have to repeat them. <laughs> Once is enough. Okay, three times. Fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, I got it. I got it. The tree is not saying, do I got to go through this again? I got to shed my leaves again? No, the tree's like, yeah, okay. Okay, I'm good. I'm just going to hang out here and meditate for the next three months. <laughs> That's right. Damn, that's really good advice. Yes. Right? Yep. Oh, hey, I totally honestly believe that that was the universe's way of knocking me down and going, you are not doing what we need you to do. Stop what you're doing and figure it the fuck out. Yes. And I remember 
2020, I'm in my pool and I'm like, okay, I have spent the last seven years trying to figure this out. And I think maybe I got it. I'm not supposed to be floating in my pool and reading anymore. I got to get up (laughs) and go do something with what I've learned because they didn't knock me down to float in a pool for the next 10 years, right? So I said, okay, I'll get up. I will figure out what it is I'm supposed to do. And so I wrote a chapter for a book that became an international bestseller, which was way cool. Then I said, okay, I'm going to write this other book. And I found out I had esophageal cancer. Yeah. Esophageal? And look at you. What? They told me that if they had not found it, the time they found it, literally, I would have been dead before Christmas. And almost went anyway, because the treatment was almost worse than the damn disease. But I had this amazing surgeon. Amazing surgeon. Oh, my God. Awesome guy. Rides a bike to work, wears a backpack, and he's the head of oncology at the hospital. Yeah, right? Wow. Just, I loved him. Doogie Hauser kind of dude, you know? And just, oh, got in there, got it out. This was in, and again, I can't take pain meds, okay? So prior to the surgery, he and I sat down and figured out, mapped out a way that we could keep me under control. So I wasn't screaming in pain because this isn't a painful operation. They have to go up under your breast and under your heart and all of this, move all this crap around. And he does it by robotics that he invented. Amazing guy, right? Comes in, gets it all taken care of. I'm on nothing for pain, a Tylenol. And yeah, (laughs) that's all I could have was Tylenol. And they had done an epidural in the chest. You know how they would do for a pregnant woman? Well, they did it in the chest. And so they had me on an epidural, but no narcotics in it because an epidural actually has narcotics, not just numbing agents. But they used the numbing agents and the Tylenol, and I used meditation. A lot of meditation during that time in the hospital. I was in the hospital seven days, and I was supposed to be there 10. So they're like, nope, you go home. (laughs) So I'm like, cool. But it, it literally is the power of this mind that you can do anything. Now, you have to have some help. It's not like you get to do it all by yourself, but that's also using the power of your mind to allow yourself to take help, to accept help. And be specific about the kind of help. I mean, could you have been more specific? These two doctors you've shared with me that you manifested were in your energy field. Big time. The guy who did this surgery had just been stolen from their hospital. So he'd just shown up here in Sarasota when all of this happened. And had he not been here, I would have had this huge scar from side to side. That would have taken me probably a year or more, more than what it took, the six months it took me to get healthy enough to be around and about and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, amazing. I'm in awe of the power. I am in total awe of the power that we have. And just the way you, I mean, you just 
at the top of that you were sharing with me, I don't know if we were recording yet, that you, you know, you were just told how beautiful your voice is. Right. We have friends that have had esophageal and one has, he doesn't have any saliva left. I mean, he's got like, you know, suffering the worst his, his quality of life. He's suffering. He's one of the sweetest guys. And oh my God, it's so dependent on where your mind is and what you draw to you. The recognition and understanding that, okay, I need some help. So let me get real specific on the kind of help I want, not, okay, I'm just going to sign myself off to the people in this field. Now, let me make sure I draw out the right card here because this is can go any way. And there's, there's too often that we think because somebody has a, is a doctor that they are the person to help us. They're still a person. Check their energy. And they're practicing. They're practicing. Thank you. Where do we miss that? It's a practice and a surgeon's going to want to do surgery to practice what he spent $350,000 learning and still probably paying off and justification for the malpractice and all the money that they have to spend to protect themselves from the practicing. So there's a huge burden that they carry, but they're just people too. And the fact that you chose a guy who created the robotics, this is the kind of doctor that I just absolutely love and admire. The kinds of doctors that never stop learning, never stop innovating, never stop trying to find ways to help human beings that need their help in the most least invasive way and the best way for that. That's a real doctor that is there to be a healer and to help people. A doctor that learns something and it's practicing a 30-year-old practice because they don't want to learn anymore is the doctor that you don't want to go to. And there's a lot more of those out there. Those are the doctors we need to be careful of because they're the kind of doctors you go to for research information that you couldn't find. You're not going there to have them work on your body. You want to go to those kinds, the kind of two doctors you had. So what a resource for you to have and to, to share as well to that responsibility through this experience that you have lived through. You've not only taken responsibility for your pain, you've taken responsibility for your outcome within this experience in a way that can help people understand that you don't choose for it to do you. Exactly. You've got to choose to do it. You know, is your life running you or are you running your life? And so often I hear that, well, you know, the doctor said, okay, well, check the doctor. Just because the doctor said it's going to work doesn't mean it is. I had how many doctors and none of them knew that I had these allergies to opioids and they kept trying to give me different opioids. Let's see if this one will kill you. I died four times on these stupid things. There's so many other alternatives to using, you know, something that, that is opioid based and then you're adding all these different chemicals to it. You know, we could go on and on and on about pharmacies. <laughs> you know? I cannot take yeah. big pharma. You know, we could go on and on and on about that. Everything that anyone wants to do to this vessel that you have, you have a right to question. That's exactly right. That's exactly how I feel too. And you've got to do your homework. You've got to know and recognize. I mean, during COVID of the 2 million doctors in the United States, only 500 doctors were practicing prevention. 500 out of 2 million. 
because they were programmed and trained by those who own the institutions from which they learn, which is big pharma. So you've got to do your homework. It's not that they're bad people. They're just, they've gone to school and they've been told to do it this way. They don't know any better because they didn't know what it was before when chiropractic and acupuncture and homeopathy were a part of the medical practice and real nutrition study. None of these preventive modalities are part of their training anymore. And they spend, I don't know, six weeks on nutrition and the rest, they spend six months on prescription writing. So it's truly do your homework. These doctors need your help. They need you to say to them, no, I'm not going to let you practice on me in that way because I'm personally responsible for this vessel. Whether you believe it or not and think it's woo-woo, I chose this vessel. And what's happening to it right now, I now have new choices to make. And I'm going to be conscious of those choices because I'm going to be in here for a while and I want to have fun. You're not taking it away from me because you you don't want to evolve beyond what you learned 30 years ago. (laughs) I'm sliding into death. Used up, dirty, (laughs) totally covered in tattoos. It's my life and damn it, I have a right to ask what it is you think you're going to do, what the outcome you think is going to happen. And let me do my own research before I agree to you doing whatever it is you think you're going to do. And if I get there and I don't like what I'm hearing, I'm out. I have walked out of more doctor's offices and told them to go suck a duck. (laughs) And I can count on my hands. Absolutely. Yes. As have we. We've experienced that too. And it it's our right. It's our choice. It's our choice to take responsibility. I loved it when you said that earlier that you had done enough research, poured yourself into research. We have the luxury of being able to do that now. We can go and find out so much information. There's really no reason that we can't take a few minutes and look and Google and research what some other options are. Because inevitably there's a group out there, a Facebook group or a group that has dealt with this recovering from, and you will learn so much, so much information. I imagine that you've helped your audience many times with what you've shared. So get your book done, damn it. So we can read it. I certainly <laughs> hope so. You are. Thank you. You're amazing. I, I, I can sit here and talk to you for hours. I know this is really fun. We're going to definitely have to have coffee again. <laughs> So you're in Sarasota? You're in Florida? No, actually, I'm Texan. Really? So I thought you were Canadian originally. You're Texan? Where Texan? Yeah, Houston. Oh, really? Gosh, sticky Houston. I bet you couldn't (laughs) wait to get out of there. Dang, I remember going there and I was like, I worked on a spot there and I was there for like a week and then, and it was like, okay, how many times am I going to change my clothes in a day? Oh, it's, yeah, it's humid, but see, it's, it's like that here. I love the humidity. We lived in, in Columbus, Ohio, and that's where I met and married my wife. And I'd had enough of the four walls after being injured and having to be home all the time. So I talked my wife into retiring early and we bought an RV and hit the road for three years. I'm like, if I'm going to be handicapped, I'm going somewhere besides here. So I just had a ball, but we spent a lot of time out West and during the winter, I had to get a humidifier for, you know, a 300 square foot RV because my nose just bled like crazy. I have to have humidity. 
have to. Syl could do without. She stays in the house during the summertime, but I'm out. I love it. The hotter it is, the happier I am. Well, my husband and I have a sprinter and we love, that's what we do. We go on trips on our road, our sprinter. So I am so, another connection there that we could talk about. Yeah, we have to have another cup of coffee because we got to do this. We've been all over in our sprinter and we're heading out. We usually travel in May because he just finishes his, he's a CPA. So he's like, out of here. Yeah. He's like, turns the phone off and gets out and rejuvenate. But I love road trip. I love just getting in the car, having a destination we want to get to and the adventure along the way, let it be what it is. It's just an incredible experience to detach and uh, turn everything off and be in that space. And I get the nosebleeds too when I'm in the mountains. So I, I'm there with you. I need humidity, but the full body humidity. <laughs> it's like I have a line. I see. I have no problem taking a shower three or four times a day. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm good with humidity right here, right here. Okay. This is my humidity zone. Okay. <laughs> leave the rest of it okay i mean just stay right it's just like right here okay <laughs> all right all right so you have to tell me about your sprinter because we had one of those big a class and of course i couldn't drive sil drove because she had been a school bus driver at one point in her career so she knew how to drive these things and I wouldn't even get behind the wheel. Cause I'm like, I'm afraid that I'll, if I have to hit that brake, there's no way it's not going down. <laughs> you know? I don't have that ability right now. So I've only started driving again in the last year. Mm, wow. Yeah. And I was the driver. She never drove, you know, it was like rare to even, she hated driving to work. <laughs> The mornings, you know. I love driving. I do too. I have driven across this country, I don't know how many times from the time I was little, my parents would always go camping every year. And we lived out east and my grandparents were in California. So, you know, we would meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I was great. But yeah, so we're driving around in this great big Allegra 40 foot bus with a 20 foot car behind us. So 60 feet full of, you know, and she was just like, oh my God, this is our house. Oh my God, this is our house. So we were talking the other day, some pictures came up. I'm like, oh, that was so much fun. She goes, yeah, for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the thing, I mean, it's like, yes, because I mean, there's nothing like being the passenger. It's like, where are we going? My husband, and I, he, I drive. I love it. He drives too when I let him, but it's because I, I love driving. I'm, I'm like, I have to say, I'm a little bit like, okay, I, I just kind of want to drive. And he'll like get in and read things and he gets all into the, you know, the entertainment, which is great. What I love about the Sprinter van, and we're actually thinking about up leveling at some point because of the space, because it's smaller. I mean, it's a 170, so it's the biggest of them. But the best part of the Sprinter is you can park anywhere. That's the best. And we love that. And it is great. It's beautiful. It's, it's, I call it mocha. It's chocolate brown. It's absolutely gorgeous. It has the capacity to walk full through and it has a galley and it has, you know, a bathroom, a, you know, a portable in it. And like they all do. And you could be off grid as long as you have water. It has 44 gallon tank and it has the, uh, what do you call it? solar panels and it has all the, it was designed by a guy named Ray Barr, who was a, extreme sport athlete. So he wanted to design these. He wanted one for himself. So he started a business. And so he designed it 
And it was one he customized for his brother who put all the bells and whistles in it. And then his brother's wife got pregnant and had a baby. And the baby was like 10 months old when they finally had it done. And they went out on a couple of times. He was like, dude, there's just no way I'm going to be in here with a 10 month old. I just, you're going to have to deal. I can't, I mean, it's it's great, but it's it's not the right timing. And so we bought it. And um, yeah, we got really fortunate to to have met him when we did and then grab it because it, it's like two years out to get one, uh, the 170s. It takes about six or eight months just to get the Mercedes and then they have to gut it and they have to insulate it and they have to do all the, you know, he does everything from the tires to the shocks to the, he just does all kinds of details to it because he's, you know, he's got that modern athlete brain. Yeah. So it has all kinds of cool little features that we still try and re- realize that we have remember oh it does do that doesn't it yeah. <laughs> we just like fall asleep in there <laughs> we kind of fell into ours as, as well we had been looking for one when we were we had a c-class which i loved the c-class i can drive i could have driven that anywhere and it was kind of the same thing you could park it anywhere with the a-class you can't you have to go to a resort that has the length and the electric capacity for goodness sakes you know we went to a couple oh yeah sure you can plug in a 50 here no problem get there and it's a 35 okay this does not work i can't even no (laughs) yeah no there's no option there is no way that we're fitting in this space not happening you know oh sure yeah it's 60 feet and we're like sticking out both sides on the road i really 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 loved our smaller one much better not to i mean this rig was back daddy gorgeous and we totally fell into it got a deal to beat all deals from the sweetest people absolutely fabulous people in nashville that sold us to us when we were headed back from florida in our c-class we found it, I found, you know, I was just doing a search and found it on RV.com or something. I don't know. Called him and, and he agreed to take my price and we turned around and headed to Nashville. Wow. So, yeah. And, oh, I loved the heated floors, fireplace. It was great. It was absolutely beautiful. But I did like the C-Class for the ability to have a a kind of a bedroom and the ability to have a separate seating area. I liked that. And you could park it anywhere. Yeah. So that was key for us because, I mean, we've been all through the San Juans and on the ferries. And in, I mean, we did, we went all the way to Victoria and then we went up to Vancouver Island and went through Canada and BC and dropped down into the Panhandle, uh, Idaho, where we kept it for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Yeah. We just, we just been all over. We just haven't done, you know, the rest of the U S and we're just at the point now where it's like, you know, that Brian Regan skit, uh, what's it called? Crumbling body. <laughs> You know, they make lifts that you can get for the outside of the RV <laughs> to get you up in it because that's the worst. But exactly. So, but, but I want the thing that's like that Bugs Bunny commercial where it's like, nighty night, wabbit. And he just kind of floats up. Oh, that was weird. floats into bed. <laughs> I want that lift. I don't have to roll the bed out. I don't have to put it all together. It just kind of 
that's what I want. And that's not going to happen in Sprinter Van. I'm just saying. It's not. No. So, so we've had our adventure in the Sprinter Van. So we're like, if we, when we do this again, we're going to like bite the bullet and do the big one and go across the country and see friends that we have all over in Florida too, yes. in Sarasota. And just, you know, experience what that's like. As my husband says, I want something I could do yoga in the middle of the freaking, you know, you pop it out and the yoga thing, you just can like, you know, I got to experience that at least there once. There you go. That's so cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I got, I got it. We're the gonna do zen that. room, you know, that just pops out. <laughs> yeah. Just enjoy, you know, that experience. I'm like, all right, all right, we'll, we'll experience that. But, you know, then you're driving because this thing's not fitting anywhere. And I'm, I'm not at like a resort. I'm not an RV resort place kind of person. So we're trying to figure out, you know, I'm like, I go hang out in my, I want to get in the car and go on and see stuff. So it's like figuring all that part out of it and having to plan. I'm also somebody who likes a spontaneous, like, all right, let's just hop in the van. Let's just go and head that direction. You can't really do that in the big ones because you have to plan where you're going to be, especially now it's so crowded out there. (laughs) We're in Columbus. We were there in the summertime and neither one of us thought about this, but we needed to stay a little longer and we needed to be able to stay the whole week, Sunday to Sunday. Reservations are made a year in advance for weekends, anywhere that it snows. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we could stay Monday through Thursday, but we had nowhere to, where were we supposed to go? We were 60 feet long. Yeah, there's no boondocking for you. You're like boondocking with the semis on the side of the road. That's the only boondocking you're doing. Or Walmart. What the? That is an experience. We could do a whole show on RV overnighters in Walmart and going into Walmart at like one o'clock in the morning to go to the loo. And you're like, is this like an episode of Fringe? Am I in, a, am I in another universe? Did I just jump time? Because what the heck is happening in this store right now? Right. We've had some really funny experiences and some really just like, where are we experiences? Somewhere that where the music's up and the employees are like going down the hall and they've got their headphones and they're like doing their whole thing and they're like putting them. And it's like, oh, this is cool. They just kind of let fly at one o'clock in the morning. This is great. And we're like dancing through the aisles with the employees. <laughs> and we're having a great time. And then other times where it's like the employees are like, they're not even awake. And you're like, it's just like the most bizarre, the Walmart whole experience is such a trip in an RV when you can't find anywhere to park your damn RV. Or there's a storm that's so bad you really have to get off the road. Yeah. 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 We did that when we went to Michigan and we used to take the motorcycle up there and we would go up to the UP. And one time that we were on our way up, we had a storm right after we got into Michigan that was to beat the band. And there was a Walmart. So we just pulled in and stayed there overnight, let the storm do its thing and on its way. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. Walmart overnight. They're the best. (laughs) In a pinch, man, in a pinch. Walmart comes through again. Damn it. They do. They do. Hashtag Walmart. Yes. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. We were in Yellowstone and, uh, speaking of a storm situation, it was terrifying. We were, uh, it was in October and it was supposed to be minimal storming. And all of a sudden, as it does in Yellowstone, the storm comes through 
And we've been waiting to get over up over to the another one of the gates. We were in the north gate, I believe it was. We were wanting to go through the park through Yellowstone to get to the um, south gate, south of Bozeman, I think it was. And so finally, the weather opens up, and they, you know, they open the gate, and we're gonna head up. And there's some snow on the side of the road, but they well, they should have never opened it because there's a turn that's called Hoodoo. <laughs> and excuse me, but any fucking thing called hoodoo is something you want no part of. Okay. Right? <laughs> Just excuse my French, but uh, anybody say hoodoo to you, run. That's all I have to say. Run, run and run fast because that's a, that's a something, something you don't want any part of. So we, we turn this corner and we don't have the rig in four wheel. It's four wheel drive. We don't have it in four wheel because, you know, we haven't needed it. But it was like, again, like a fringe episode where we turned into an alternate blizzard universe. The temperature dropped 30 degrees around a corner. I, I'm not kidding you. Around a corner, it became a freeze zone. And it's curving like this. And we're going up like this. And all of a sudden, I could look over at my husband and he's, he's driving. And he was like, oh, shit. And he went to try and put it in four wheel drive. And the thing is with our car, you have to stop it. You have to put it in four wheel drive in part. And he st- so we started slowing down. Behind us is a huge truck, the gravel truck that was heading up to put gravel on the road because they were told, but obviously the guy at the gates weren't told. So he was unfortunately behind us. And because my husband put the brakes on, which is a number of things you cannot ever do when you're on any kind of snow or ice, he didn't know. But you can never slow down. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep your foot on the gas. Keep keep them rolling. And just anybody out there, if you're in the snow and the ice, don't slam on the brakes. The worst thing you can do. But he eased into them because he wanted to put it in four wheel drive. And we started sliding backwards. Uh, We've got our bikes on the back, uh, so we're about you know 25 feet, 26 feet total. And there's a truck behind us, and we're sliding, and we're nine tons. You know, we're we're heavy, so we're sliding down, and it's a narrow road. And I'm like, I'm going through every freaking emotion you can imagine contained, but I'm like thinking, okay, this is it. This is my day. We're going to, this is it. We're going over the cliff because this thing weighs what it weighs. And we're sliding like a ice skate on this downhill, or we're going to hit that truck behind us. The truck driver knew what he was doing. He, because he's, this is what he does. You know, he's a gravel guy for the snow and ice. He went into reverse, which was like, he was my hero. I don't even know how you can go into reverse in a situation like that, but he knew. So he went into reverse and angled his. So we slid. We landed literally this far, a half an inch from going over the rail. Our bike tire was that far from the rail. All of a sudden we came to a stop. And then this is how bad it was. My husband and I both stepped out of the van and we both proceeded to fall right on our ass. It was so slippery. As soon as we got out, we fell went right feet right out underneath. So we're like holding on, climbing up, you know, using the band to get us back up. And then comes around the corner, cars coming from the top. They haven't closed it. Same, same experience except they're coming downhill toward us. Oh, They start sliding. Yeah. They start sliding. And one of them thinks, and I'm like standing up and I'm going, don't go, don't go, you know, trying to get people to stop. And this one young girl, she was just adorable. She's in the car in a forestry car with her grandfather who was a veteran forestry man. And she was just new in the business. She was 18 years old. And he, for some reason, told her that he thought she could, you know, handle it. And so she tries to come down in this little tiny Ford truck 
and it starts sliding toward our van. And sure as shit, slid right into our van. And I'm like feeling like, you know, the bionic woman. I'm ready to like, my husband looks at me and I was like, I'm like running toward it. Like I'm going to stop the car. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. For some reason, I thought I could stop it. Jesus, I don't know what just happened to me. I was like thinking I'm like, I can stop this car and like put it over there for some reason. But it's like, I was like, because it's going to hit our car and this far. So I'm thinking, what's going to happen? Well, because it was so heavy and the angle, it rested on our front bumper. I mean, it literally just rested. It started to slow down. It was like sliding down right toward us. And as it kept getting closer, it was like slowing down, which was remarkable. It was like slowing down and then just kind of landed on the bumper. And we have a push bar on the bumper. So it just landed on the push bar. And it was like, and then they got out and it was like, and the grandfather's like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was, I thought I could do it. And then all these other cars, all these tourists, Priuses and minivans, and they're all coming around the corner and they're like, and I'm in, and now all four of us are out. We're like directing them over to the side. And then finally the trooper comes. Wow. And he's like, this is a shit show. And I said, no kidding. <laughs> this is freaking terrifying. He's like, this is hoodoo. And I said, who, what? He goes, this is hoodoo. We call this hoodoo pass. And I said, really? How come it's not on the sign? Because anything called hoodoo, we got no business in. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, that's right. You shouldn't have been let in here. He's like, it's notorious. It can drop anywhere from 10 to 30 degrees in this one section right here. Oh, my Lord. I had no idea. I've been to Yellowstone a few times, but it, wow. It was crazy. So the, the gravel, finally, they get us out. The gravel truck goes up. The gravel guy, he gets gravel out of his car, with out of his truck with a shovel, puts it behind our and behind our tires and in front behind our back end and in front of our front end. So we, we get to the top where he, they tell us to go to the top and we can go out. Right. We get to the top. Another guy comes up, another trooper and says, you guys can't go through. I'm sorry, but you have to go back the other way. The storm has now moved ahead and we can't, we're shutting everyone down. No. Yeah. So then we had to go back down where we came. We had to go down that hoodoo. And then there was a whole other pile up down around the corner. I mean, we're talking, there's a, the kind of adventures you can go on in an RV that can happen. The things, I mean, let alone the things you see in the RV park bathrooms, that's a whole world and a conversation in and of itself. But the weather? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, or just the strange things that happen, period. It doesn't <laughs> matter whether it's weather or your car falls off the car lift when they're doing an oil change for you. Yeah, there you go. No, this shit doesn't happen but to anybody but RVers. <laughs> you know, when you live in a house, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, my dear, I have a coaching at one, so I'm going to have to. I know, I got to go to. I have a meeting at four. Me too. We have gone so far over what I normally record. And I would love this if we could do this as maybe one of the inaugural YouTube videos. Yeah, let's do it. And yeah. we'll cut it up. We'll do all kinds of fun stuff with it. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, put some like captions in there and some cards in there. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you access to it so that you can play with it too. Once they, they pull the podcast off, then we can do whatever we'd like with the rest of the video. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I've had such a great time talking to you, Kristen. It has been just like two girls hanging out, having some coffee. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love coffee time.
No, me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm going to go and uh, maybe, maybe it's not three, so I can have another one before I there jump into another call. <laughs> All right. I'll be seeing you soon in our other connection points. Yes. And enjoy your day. And I'm sending you just so much love and admiration. Yes. You're amazing. You too. Inspiration. You are as well. Thank you. You are as well. Thank you. Let's shine our lights bright. That's right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar?